This is from Intern to Entrepreneur, the podcast for counseling and therapy graduate students who want to start planning their journey to private practice while they're still in grad school. I'm your host, Corey White, and within three years of graduating from my master's program, I had a six-figure thriving private practice, in large part because I started planning my path while I was still in grad school. This podcast is full of stories and information meant to give you ideas about how you can carve your own path to the therapy career that you want. Please note that when you're listening to this podcast, licensure laws and requirements vary from state to state. So check with your state board about what you can and can't do on your journey. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of From Intern to Entrepreneur. Oh, hey, grad students. This is episode three of From Intern to Entrepreneur. And if you are listening to this when it gets released, it's the very end of August, which means if you're in grad school and you're in a traditional semester style program, you're probably going back to school this week, which is probably mixed feelings, super exciting, maybe a little bit of nerves, uh, probably feeling a lot of different ways about it. I always kind of miss going back to classes this time of year, which I will say that for like the first three years after grad school, I did not feel that way. I was so grateful to not be in grad school anymore. But the further I get away from it, the more nostalgia I have around it. And so I hope that you're all taking the time to set yourself up for success in this semester Even if this isn't when your semester is starting, you can use this as a little nudge to maybe take some time to sit down and think about what do I need in all the different aspects of my life and how do I realistically make that happen? Because we can't do everything all the time for everyone and so we need to find a way to prioritize some things. But this episode, I interview Cindy Gozanski, who is so awesome and I'm so glad that she is the episode for this sort of back to school time because she works with a ton of interns and she has worked with so many over the years and you can just tell by the way that she talks during her interview like you can just tell that she works with students and that she works with new professionals and she has so much wisdom around trying to integrate your career and your personal life in a way where you're able to still have a personal life and take care of yourself and take care of the people that you love you know, and take care of your clients. So she has a podcast called The Heart-Centered Therapist. Highly recommend that you check it out. There's so many different people that she interviews that give their perspective on being a heart-centered therapist. So there's, anybody can find an interview on her podcast that will resonate with you or, or that you might be able to pull some inspiration from. But we talk a lot in this episode about how to be a heart-centered therapist. And so I hope that as you're listening to it, you're thinking about what does being a heart-centered therapist mean to you? So without me continuing to recap this, let's just hear from Cindy herself. Listeners, meet Cindy. Hi, Cindy. I'm so happy to have you here on From Intern to Entrepreneur. Welcome. Thank you so much, Corey. I am thrilled to be here. I love what you are putting out into the world. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, let's jump right in. So I want to start with you giving our grad student audience a little bit of an idea of what it is that you're doing now at this point in your career, and then we'll go to the beginning. Sounds great. Right now, I am busy running a group practice here in Maine. I have been running my group practice for a little over a year now, and 
part of that is also not just having employees who are therapists, clinicians, but also being an internship site. So I currently have five student interns, which is a lot. That is a lot. That's awesome that you're helping five student interns kind of on their path to career. I love it. I love working with grad students. Um, In the past, I know we're not really there yet, but I used to also be an adjunct instructor, teaching counseling skills, multicultural counseling, things like that. And then eventually it just made more sense for me to be an internship site and work with students, you know, for six or nine months or however long they needed to have their placements. That's awesome. And you are going to be a very valuable resource to anybody listening right now because you sort of have a a couple multi-prong approach to like, okay, you're a clinician in the field, you're a group practice owner, and you're also getting this experience in working one-on-one with the people who are listening to this podcast. So take me all the way back though. Tell me about your journey to becoming a therapist. Okay, sure. Well, we go back a ways. Um, uh, since I'm a midlife therapist now, um, but I, I started, I went to grad school and did some work in mental health while I was in grad school, you know, kind of part-time. That I think is really, really helpful. I encourage people to get a feel for that. Um, and my internships were actually not in private practice. Mm. So um, it wasn't as much of a thing then, you know? Mm. So we're talking like, I don't know what, 18 years ago. It wasn't as much of a thing, maybe. And um, I did community mental health. I did employee assistance program and also residential um, dual diagnosis program as my internship sites. And so then when I graduated, I worked in um, community mental health as a crisis worker, mobile crisis worker on our suicide hotline and mobile crisis team. Um, it's amazing work. It's, and it's amazing um, connections and skills that you learn. I highly recommend it. Um, and I was a clinical coordinator there for a while. I did some work in disability services. Um, at the university. I continued to do some employee assistance work. And then probably about a year into my agency work, I started a tiny private practice on the side, Mm. you know? So like if you're working, say, you know, three or four long days a week, then maybe two nights, I would sublet space and see a few clients. And so I had always done that kind of at the beginning. And then, um, at one point, I decided to go full-time into private practice. So then I had a solo private practice for um, since the, you know, I don't know, 2011 on. And here I am. Mm. Yeah. So when you're saying that you've been in group practice for about a year, you were in solo practice for many years before that. Correct. For many years. Hosting interns during that time, um, you know, continuing to do my own trainings. I started as an individual therapist primarily. Then um, I also started studying couples counseling, got trained in that. I continue to work now both as individual and couples counselor. So as a group practice owner, I'm also still working as a clinician, training my interns, running group practice, and then I do a couple other things on the side. Yeah. Yeah. And what are those couple other things on the side? Because I think it's really interesting for grad students to also hear what therapists do 
outside of clinical, direct clinical work and outside of supervising, whether that's in the therapy realm or even outside of that? Yes, exactly. Well, um, one thing I realized in this field is often it can get very isolating and we, we get so much intimacy in our work with clients, but sometimes we don't have the connection and the support we need. And so I can't actually remember when it was a few years ago, I decided to start a Facebook group for therapists. Hmm. And so that's called the heart centered therapist community on Facebook. And it's really about supporting therapists, like in their work and in their personal life, kind of like that sense of we really are humans and therapists and being whole people. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really wonderful labor of love and just connecting with other therapists. I've made some, some friends it's really growing nicely. And then from there, I also launched a podcast, the Heart Centered Therapist podcast. I have amazing guests mm-hmm. and um, really just love talking to therapists about what it is we do, how we can survive being therapists because this is hard work, you know, um, how we thrive as therapists, how we can gain more mastery and get results. And so sometimes the results are clinical, sometimes they're entrepreneurial. I love launching therapists into their own private practices as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And I love that what you're describing is that like we are whole people. And so we're not just clinicians who can only do one-on-one work. We are clinicians that have skills that transfer outside of one-to-one clinical work. We are people that have families that need to be able to leave work at work and then go uh, be be a part of a different community. We are therapists who need cl- community within therapists. So I just love what you're talking about. And I think it's so important for grad students to hear. There's got to be a way to both integrate and separate. Ooh, that's a therapy concept, actually. Differentiation. My ability to be close, but also separate. Differentiation. <laughs> yeah, yes. Differentiation. So yeah. So mm-hmm. as therapists, we need, we need to learn how to really uh, use differentiation in our lives to to be able to blend, you know, who we are and who we are as therapists, but who we are then also outside of being therapists. So yeah, thank you for explaining yeah. that more. Yeah. I am really curious about this idea that you were in the field for about a year. You were doing agency work, community community mental health work, and then you decided to start, in your words, a tiny little private practice. Yes. Where where did that idea come from, or what was well, that? How did that get planned? Right. Um, so Corey, this is great because I did have um, some colleagues who had also started private practices, and so again, one thing that I think is really important is to network and maintain like your your friendships or your peer relationships with the, your fellow grad students. And mm, so I, I real quick, I want to say that again, it is very important to maintain the relationships that you have with the people in your program and your mentors. Okay. I'm sorry. I wanted to pause you just to reiterate that. Please go again, Cindy. It's, it's so important. And, you know, shout out to, to my colleague, Tom. And, you know, I mean, he had started his private practice and he was, he was running, um, uh, residential program and still start his private practice. And so I'm like, okay. And you know, you get guidance from your colleagues and from your peers. So that was part of it, but here's a great story. 
Um, of course, we see our own therapists, right, mm -hmm. as therapists, which is good. My therapist at the time was like, oh, your clients won't care, like, where you see them. They don't have to have a super fancy office. You know, she would tell me, like, my, my first office, I had to have a lawn chair or something, and I don't think it was really that bad. And, but anyhow, so my first sublet I rented from a pediatric speech pathologist, but I was seeing adults. So instead of using her therapy room, which was like the little kid room with the, the baby kitchen and all of that, I used her waiting room, you know, and just kind of turned the chairs around. And so, you know what? Your clients don't care. It's yeah. really true. You do what it takes. And that's definitely uh, an entrepreneurial move is to go, what do I have to work with to make my dreams come true? I have this office waiting room and I will figure out a way to use it so that I can get to the next stepping stone, which is for you. It was opening your practice. That's awesome. I love that mm -hmm. story. Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Was that scary for you? Like, you know, I, I think that the more I talk to therapists, I, I hear that there's varying levels of being afraid in doing this or of just feeling like, no, like it didn't even question it. Where were you in that? Mm. I was not really scared. I was excited about it. And I really wanted to see like, what would that be like? And I think in part, because during that time, um, I also had great supervisors and, uh, you know, supervisors and mentors that I knew would help me. Mm. Right. So I remember that I think I had like a 16 year old come then, and that wasn't really in my niche. And my supervisor was like, well, don't worry, I'll help you if you run into trouble. How reassuring is that? Right. You know, and one thing that I think is so important for, for grad students is to seek out the mentors or the supervisors um, that will really be good fits for you. So mm -hmm. I was in an agency and I had a wonderful supervisor there. That was part of my employment. But then I also had another supervisor on the outside that I paid separately because she was able to help me in different ways. And you just can't understate what mentors and supervisors can do for you. Yes. And I think that's such an important point that we don't have to just accept what is given to us or what's available to us. We have the ability to seek out the people who are going to help us grow professionally in the ways that we want to. And so, sure, I imagine that was an investment of your money on top of, you know, maybe you were getting free supervision at your agency, but it sounds like it was worth it to you. And maybe it even fast tracked you in some of your professional goals to be able to seek that outside supervision with someone who is more in alignment with what it is you were trying to, to do with your career. A hundred percent. And fast tracked is a great word because as as I was preparing for this and thinking about what was important for me, this was a while ago, you know, your mentors can help shorten the learning curve, mm -hmm. right? And and that could be in various ways, not just like teaching you skills, but I had um, a wonderful supervisor who was um, a couples therapist, and he allowed me to come in and sit in on his sessions. And this was before telehealth, right? So, you know, it's kind of easy to sit in on and observe a telehealth session, but this was in person and I would, you know, travel and go there and what an amazing, amazing opportunity. So I always encourage students to find 
mentors or supervisors, even as you're looking at your internship site, let's say, mm -hmm. who are doing things that you want that you can learn from that will go a little bit outside the box too, to yep. help you with your learning. That's so important. Yeah. And one way that you might be able to find that is to like go and research people, stalk them on the internet mm -hmm. and see what these supervisors are doing outside of, you know, wherever you're seeing them in their setting. Mm -hmm. I love this idea too, because you're also not directly saying this, but I think you are still saying that finding people that are going to push you out of your comfort zone. Absolutely push you out of your comfort zone and get to watch the therapist being pushed out of their comfort zone. Oh yeah. Right. So, you know, just last night I had, um, one of my student interns observe a couple session and that went pretty well, but I will share that I had another student intern and she got to observe, um, two sets of individuals where it didn't go so well, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe the couple broke up and, Sometimes what we want as therapists doesn't happen for our clients. And so she got to observe, right, all of the issues that were going on. She got to observe maybe me feeling frustrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to be able to have somebody that can be a role model for you um, in real life, that can role model like what it is and also call you out on whatever you're doing mm -hmm. and, and to share that as an example. Yeah. I love that. And also I love, you know, you're talking about like, oh yeah, I'm bringing student interns in and I've had a couple experiences where I've said, okay, yeah, you can come and join this session. And I'm thinking, oh, all of these sessions go like this with this client and then blows the roof off. And, and I'm, I'm in a position where I'm like, uh, all right, well, I guess we are just going to play this one by ear and see how it goes. And, and then processing that with the student so that they get to hear, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing for about five minutes there because I was not prepared for that. And, and here's how I got my bearings and, and, you know, what was your experience right. of that? So, right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I really see therapy as an equalizer in a way that we can learn from it. And I think so many therapists, tend to be high achievers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're perfectionists. It goes hand in hand, right? Yep. But and, and we want to help so much. And so one of the things that I, I like to think about too is like great analogy is like a sport. You know, if you're really good at running or golf and then you try a different sport like paddleboarding or skiing, right? You're not going to excel or be as good at that. But you're going to gain flexibility. You're going to relax a little bit as you learn. And it's kind of the same thing for therapy. We go in and we think we're really good. We know this sport. We know our techniques. But you have to be ready for, just like you said, that weird session mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or something new to come up. And ultimately, that's what therapy is about. We'll go in with our approaches and interventions and it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. And we need to learn to pivot and use different choice points and be open and flexible in that intimate I thou space mm -hmm. where you're, you're available to your client. 
Hey grad students, real quick before we get back to this interview, if you are loving the idea of being a part of a community of like-minded graduate students who want to own their own private practice one day, then you need to head to Facebook and join my Facebook group from intern to entrepreneur. There's already a community set up of graduate students who one day want to own their own private practices and be entrepreneurs just like you. So head over to Facebook, join that group, and stay in the loop and get connected with people who are doing things that you want to do. Back to the interview. Yeah, I really like that. Um, as since I work with interns quite frequently too. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I notice, especially during their practicum phase, right? Especially during those first, you know, one to five months, is they'll come in and they will ask me for interventions they can do. Or they right. will say, I tried this and it didn't work. Or just yesterday, I had a therapist, an intern therapist say to me that they were frustrated with a client. And what 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 came out of that was that they were frustrated with a client because the interventions they had been practicing weren't, quote unquote, working with that client. And so we had to really distill down, like, hold on a second, that's about you, not about the client. And why were you so focused in that session about you pulling a trick out of a hat, you know, in order to make something happen? So I think that it's really important that we're balancing, yes, when you're in your graduate program, you need to be learning intervention skills theories, conceptualizations. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep in mind that so much of the work that gets done is about rapport and presence and creating safety and and all of that. And so I think that I'm hearing, yeah, that's heart-centered therapist. Absolutely. Right. And, and that rapport and presence, it's so beautiful. It's, it's, it's critical. Right. And I'm also encouraging folks to slow down all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Which is part Mm -hmm. of that rapport. Slow down, have that silence, have that space and stay really close to the client, right? So I always say like, like you just said, maybe you don't know what intervention to use or you're, you know, you're caught up like, oh, I just tried this thing and it didn't work, right? Just stay close to the client, stay so close to what they're giving you and you'll be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm going to, this is just a question that, that I thought of based on that. How do you help therapists stay close, but also create boundaries for themselves? Because I know that it's really easy. I know that for a lot of therapists, there's this idea of like, no, my, my empathy means that I'm supposed to feel what the client's feeling. And how do you be a heart centered therapist while also protecting your own self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question. Great question. Here's an example. So let's think about it like in terms of boundaries and self-disclosure. Mm-hmm. So let's say you are working with a client and they're describing some kind of ang- anxiety, anxious situation that you've also experienced. And so one of the best ways would be to just do a really powerful simple reflection, Mm -hmm. but you're coming from your own experience. Mm -hmm. So you might say something like, you just felt frozen right Mm -hmm. there. Or you were terrified. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with like something like that. But you're using your experience, Mm -hmm. but you're not 
saying, oh yeah, and when I had this happen, I was scared to death and I started hyperventilating. I couldn't catch my breath. So instead you might say to the client, you couldn't even take a breath. Mm-hmm. So you're using your experience, staying really close to theirs to kind of make that connection, but you keep your boundary. Yeah. I really like that. Um, yeah. Cause what you're saying is a very basic therapy technique, right? It's, it's so basic reflection, but also you're conceptualizing it in a way that's saying, if things are coming up for you where you're recognizing some type of similarities or you're recognizing you're really feeling what the client's feeling in that moment, mm-hmm. frame it for yourself and the client in a way that is clear using language that it's about them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think we can simplify things a lot. It's really helpful. That's that's how I think. It helps me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Okay. Let me ask another kind of heart-centered therapist question. How has that helped you in building your private practice? Hmm. Um, I think I'm pretty real. I think that helps. Um, Very relational. Hmm. And having just having so much respect for the other person. Um, I really believe in being accessible. So that's one of my values. My group practice um, takes insurance. And so that's important for me and for the community I serve. Um, You know, it's not super like affluent community and people have insurance and want to use it. So that's um, in terms of accessibility. I think that that's an important value that I connected to the business that I created. Sure. Um, for being heart-centered and getting clients, they know that I care about them. They know that the, th- the other therapists care about them. Mm-hmm. I share with my interns, right, that it's okay to love your clients. You don't learn that in grad school. But if you don't find a way to see that connection, you know, again, I would say like that I-thou connection, it's going to fall flat. And so I think it's, it's a very relational piece that keeps people coming back. And the other part to this, which we talked about at the beginning, Corey, is just networking, right? Sure. I am who I am also with my colleagues. And um, it, it really helps in networking and building, building up a practice. And what I do, and I've spent a lot of time this past week, right? Because maybe I don't have space in my practice Anytime I get a referral, I am writing back to the client in question. We don't have space. I can recommend these three people who recently shared that they have openings, mm-hmm. right? And so that's another way to serve. And so I, I really feel like it's important to be yourself and do what you say. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a couple questions about how being heart-centered and how having a private practice has maybe enhanced your life in in personal ways, in financial ways, in in ways in which you're able to take care of yourself? Okay. That's a big question. Yeah. (laughs) You can interpret that as you wish and answer in any way that aligns with you. Right. Right. Huh. Okay. Let's see. 
Um, well, I think it, it enhances my life just because, again, it's aligned with my values of really um, wanting to help others, wanting to, to serve uh, the community and advocating for me- mental health awareness, reducing the stigma. That's so important. Um, I'm, I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, for me, it's a great platform. People in the community know that that's, you know, part of, part of my messaging. Um, I also feel like you don't separate it as much. We are humans and therapists, but who I am, I bring into the other realms of my life too. And so it allows you to, in a way, have a more integrated identity. Um, so I, I hope and I try hard, and this is actually a practice, that I can show my husband the same level of attention, right? So this is the thing. You get worn out, and I've had to practice this. I've, I've been lousy sometimes and come home and I'm fried and I don't want to talk. I'm more introverted. So I come home and I'm just done. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In a relationship, that does not work. Right. And as a couples therapist, I can tell you that. So <laughs> I learned to practice what I preach and what I share with my clients or my couples. I have to take in and practice those lessons myself. And that is from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, I think this could, that could be its own, uh, that could be its own podcast episode, just helping new therapists and all therapists mm-hmm. understand that you can't be putting all of your energy and effort into your career and then come home and be burnt or give give your family, your husband, your partner scraps of you. Yeah. And, and I will I also, I'll also co-sign. Yeah, that is a practice. That is something that you have to be aware of. That is something that is constantly fluctuating. I mean, I could name a couple times. This has been a, a wild month at my practice in, in a lot of ways. And there's definitely been two or three days where I've come home and I've been there li- later than normal. And, uh, you know, I've asked my husband, like, can you just tell me about your day today? I really don't have anything to say. And, you know, 145 things happen during my day, but I don't have anything to give. And so mm-hmm. I've had to really be mindful of, okay, I can't come home like that every night because if my marriage falls apart what does it matter what does my career matter right so they have to be integrated right. in a way that that you're taking care of yourself and being able to show up the way that you want i love that absolutely that and i i just am really touched that you would share that Corey. i think i think that's that's so important um so, you know similarly right we don't we don't want to give scraps to anybody our families our partners you know whatever um, but also ourselves. And so the second part of your question would be um, r- really finding ways to take care of myself. I don't always do such a good job, but um, things like having a practice, having some kind of spiritual practice has been helpful for me. Um, also, exercise is super helpful. If I don't get my exercise in, I'm really grumpy. So, you know, every day that I work, I must like go for a run or, you know, do some high intensity workout or whatever it is. Like, that's just what I need. That's like, you know, air because it helps my nervous system. I am aware that my nervous system gets really, really charged. So we have to take care of ourselves that way. Yeah. Yeah. And 
to kind of connect some bigger picture things for our grad student listeners, Mm -hmm. you have to be thinking about that stuff now while you're in grad school, while you're thinking about picking an internship site. Does it fit in your life? Does it offer you the things that are going to, you know, fill your cup? When you're thinking about where you take a job, if you start a practice, if you wait, the setting that you want to work in, how many hours you want to work, the kind of clients you want to work with. I think that we have to do a better job of encouraging grad students to really think about that in real time, not as like a, okay, let's do this assignment and tell me how you do self-care. We have to really be telling them like, no, you have to start planting seeds and making steps toward toward that now, or it's not going to happen. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's not rehearsal, even though people think it might be right. Like it's not, it's not pretend. And even when you're working with clients in your practicum or internship, right, it really isn't rehearsal. And so that's, that's reality the context you're making, um, choosing supervisors or internship sites where they're doing something that you might really want to do, right? So I have grad students who are serious about doing private practice or doing group practice or something like that. I have launched some of my past interns. One of them joins uh, one of my good colleagues group practice because she was so interested in doing EMDR. And I said, great reach out to Laura and you'll love working with her practice. I gave her, you know, glowing review and, you know, she's been there a couple years already. That's wonderful. I, I love that, you know, but this is how you can get a supervisor or, or your mentor who's going to advocate for you as well. And right. that's really important. Right. You're, I just keep thinking like, wow, you are not operating from a scarcity mindset at all, which is <laughs> no. really wonderful. And, and I can, I can only attribute that to the fact that you are so in touch with what, what is an alignment for you and your values and being heart centered mm. that, yeah, you, it, it does, it can be really hard. For, and I've, I've heard so many stories of people leaving practices and, you know, it's stirring up so much in the, the practice owner that they left or all kinds of stuff like that, that I love to hear a story of you going, you know what, someone left my practice because it was best for them. And I supported that. And I think that's a testament to you living your values. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's true. And I, I recently, right. My practice, my group is, is relatively young and yet I have already had three clinicians who were associate level leave because they stayed, they got the, the practice and assurance they needed that they can do this on their own. And now they have private self-pay practices. How about that? That's wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how wonderful that you've supported them and that they're able to go off and make decisions that are about their career, not about being afraid of of, you know, some, some authority over them. That's right. And look, there's enough clients. Unfortunately, there are enough clients for everyone. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. And that's, that's important to keep in mind. You know, there's, there's always, there's always going to be that, that need. (laughs) So let's move into the final two questions. Okay. What is 
one piece of practical advice that you would offer to people interested in an entrepreneurial journey? Mm-hmm. I, I really believe we've already said this. It's, it's connecting with a mentor yeah. who is doing what you want to do. So whether it's your entrepreneurial journey of going into private practice, of having a coaching business, of doing, you know, doing something, something else related, you want to start your own nonprofit connect with somebody who's doing what you're, what you want to do. I think that's, that's really important. And, um, let, let them help build your own confidence in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Find somebody who's doing what you want to do and who wants to teach you. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Don't. (laughs) You just need to learn the wheel. And you need someone who's going to teach you the wheel. So I love that. Yeah. There's really nothing new. Find somebody, right, who can be aligned with you. And this goes from every stage of your journey. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Love that. All right. So then what's one piece of mindset advice that you would offer to someone who was interested in an entrepreneurial journey? Mm-hmm. My mindset advice goes back to leading with your heart. Yeah because that's where you're going to get the information that you're on the right track, that you're pursuing your passions. You're not going to keep getting like interrupted by those thoughts of, am I doing this right? I mean, sure that will come, but you know that your, your mind is going to follow when your heart is aligned. Yeah. That's such an interesting perspective. I really want to keep that. Like your mind is going to follow when your heart is aligned. I I need to write that down. We should put that on a pillow. <laughs> we could put it on a pillow. Absolutely. It's a little paradoxical. Um, but when you think about when for, for students and therapists out there, think about when you've done your best work, you are not in your head. You're using your heart, your intuition, and then you go into your head but then you're going back down. And yeah. so also for, you know, it's both. You're using your both. heart and you're like that you're working together. It's integrated. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing that we've been talking about, the differentiation, you know, there's, yeah. there's a separateness, but there's a togetherness. Right. Um, yeah. That's such a wonderful way to look at it. And yeah. we are going to put that on a pillow. Um, I have had such a great time interviewing you. I So I know that when we were sort of doing our pre-interview, I had talked a lot about getting you to talk a little bit more about internship and, and mm-hmm. things for interns. I think we're going to have to have you back on so oh, that that'd be fun. have a whole episode dedicated to internship uh, and talking a little bit more about that process and how graduate students can use that their advantage in becoming heart-centered therapists, advancing their careers, things that they might need to know. I don't know what you have to offer to them, but I know it's something. So I would love to have you back. Um, and if people want to follow you or contact you, you know, what's the best way for them to stay in touch with you or, or what you're doing? Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Corey. I would love to come back because I have a bunch of notes. We didn't even talk about all of it. And this is just a huge passion of mine. So uh, shout out to you for all the amazing work you're doing to really help um graduate students and new emerging therapists. It's so, it's so needed and they're really lucky to have you. I think the best way um, you could 
check out my podcast, the Heart Centered Therapist Podcast. And it's on all the platforms and there are links that way that you can find me or on Facebook, the Heart Centered Therapist Community. That's probably, those two are the best ways. Right yeah. Now. And I will make sure that in the show notes that you see those things so that people can easily just click on them, listen to your podcast, join your uh, Facebook group, Wonderful. And connect with you. And then they'll follow up with that next time I have you back here and we talk more about the graduate student experience uh, with internship. How's that sound? That sounds great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. I hope that you loved this episode of From Intern to Entrepreneur. And if you want to learn more about what we talked about, check out the show notes. If you love this podcast and you want to support me in continuing to create content for entrepreneurs, then please share this with a friend, a grad student, who you think might want their own private practice one day. And also like, subscribe, and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it.